Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We're back. OutKick 360 rolls on, hour number two, just like that. We're here. Play Travis joins us in an hour and 15 minutes. Looking forward to that chat. And uh, plenty of football discussion over the next hour. We'll get into some NFL headlines, news notes, and expectations for some teams that are not on the playoff track. We'll uh, give further details on a very awkward and strange presser with Mike Vrabel today, who refused to dive into details on the John Robinson firing as general manager for a winning franchise. Um, but Chad, Jeff Brom is the new head coach at Louisville, and Tom Deanhart at on three has uh, received the, a screenshot of a text that Jeff Brom sent the Purdue players about taking, accepting the Louisville job. Are Davey Hudson doing his due diligence because this does not look like a screenshot that's posted, um, but this is a notable Purdue reporter that's reporting this and posting it. So we're going to go with it, but this is the text. Uh, from Jeff Brom. And it starts with, <laughs> Hello guys. Wanted to reach out and inform everyone that I've decided to accept the University of Louisville head football coaching job. While I love Purdue dearly, the time is right for me to go back home. I just spoke to our football team at 1 p.m. today. I will personally reach out to, uh, to each and every one of you in the next 48 hours to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Coach Jeff Brom. Purdue, a couple things that jump out here. Wrong except. Yes. You'd have A-C-C-E-P-T, just me nitpicking Not here. E-X-C. And also, you could probably have dropped the Purdue at the end of it. That maybe is just like a copy and paste that he puts the end of every text, or that's what he signs off with. But no longer the coach at Purdue. No. So sending that to Purdue players. Thank you, Coach Jeff Brom, Purdue. So I guess he's saying that he's uh, – Dean Hart's saying that he sent this to the Purdue players. But in this, he says, I just spoke to our football team. Is yeah. he, our football team, is that Louisville he's talking about? Yeah, I'm, and he's going to text the Purdue I, I, I was confused I, about odd. that part of it too. Yeah, but because um, it says it's sent to Purdue players. Yeah, and, this uh, from Tom. This is the text Jeff Brom sent to Purdue players, straight from Dean Hart. Yeah, and then other outlets are, are crediting Dean Hart with it. It's just it's maybe it's weird. he meant staff. You know, instead of team, I, when I, he said who he met with, and I'm going to now I'm going to meet guess, with the players in the I next forty eight hours. You know, I I don't hate this. This is if you're if you've got the schedule now when you take the gig. And you're going to mention that you're going to reach out to each and every one of the players. So be it. I'd rather know ahead of time what's going on and know that, hey, uh, you know, this is coming, right? It's like when when Clay sold to Fox, Chad. Yeah. When Clay sold to Fox. Yeah. You know, he how, sent did, us, how did he handle it? He sent us a text and then he called us. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> Look, the news cycle moves fast. That's what we're trying to say here. So if you've got a big story, and you've accepted a job or you're doing something, you know it's going to get out soon. Mm -hmm. Because why? Well, even if you don't tell anyone right then, there are other people that are involved in the process that can go tell a reporter friend what's happening, yeah, and it's going to get out. So there's no good way to do this 
Um, you know, sending the text to the players, people are going to, you know, criticize that. But if a coach were to leave, I don't know what I would want. I think that's such an awkward, okay, we're going to go yeah, to the team room now. I'm with you. First off, you know, I had the day off is maybe what I'm thinking. Like, I, we're going to go gather so you can thank us for our service and while you're going to another job. That's sort of a lateral move. Okay, great. Thanks. See ya. Let's let's. I'll follow Twitter now to see who the next hire is going to be. I'll follow this coaching search closely to see whether or not I'm going to portal or not. That that's that's my thought. Brian Brom is the uh, interim coach there, right, for the bowl game. That's interesting. Yeah, and they you know the searching hot board. I I don't know um, what your thoughts are. I, you know, Jim Leonard's not going to be at Wisconsin, of course. You know what's going to be amazing is watching the Fenway Bowl between Cincinnati and Louisville. And the broadcasters aren't going to spend a second on that game. The whole conversation is going to be about, boy, now Louisville with Jeff Brom and Cincinnati. You got Satterfield coming from Louisville to Cincinnati, not on that side. That's going to be, they're going to show the coaches coaching in that game over and over and over again. I'm willing to bet both Jeff Brom and Scott Satterfield make an appearance on that broadcast. I'm going to record that game just to watch all the talk about both those programs. (laughs) And not to actually watch the Fenway Bowl. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe he's going to record this broadcast and the college football playoff broadcast because he's opting out. He's not going to play. says he's hurt. But Todd McShay says, uh, no, you're healthy enough to play. You're lying. And how about McShay stepping up and calling out one of the players who's trying to use health as the excuse to get ready for the NFL combine? Um, I, I love this. So I've said, and I know you feel a little bit differently about this, I love guys who play, all right? Just, no, I love guys who play. I just don't think it affects you. Just point blank, yeah. And, and Todd McShay is saying it does affect you, which I don't know that's the case depending on your level of talent. Now, if you're a fringe guy, if you're in between the first and second round or second and third round, could it cost you a spot to go down a little bit? Yes, I, I, I believe that it would. But this is what I love about this. This protection of players in this sacred safe space where you can't criticize a player for a decision drives me nuts, okay? Because I get that players have more autonomy now and that the system wasn't always rigged in their favor for years, and now they can decide where they're going to go and if they're going to make money and all of that. And, And I'm fine mostly with that. But you can criticize both sides. Just like we can criticize coaches that leave for more money or coaches when they yell at a player on the sideline, or coaches, when they do something, we can criticize players also. And here is Todd McShay at ESPN just calling it like it is. This is a lie. He could play in that game. Todd McShay is talking to NFL people. He's talking to Ohio State people. When he gets that information, Ohio State would know. He's been observed by a team doctor, I'm sure. Yeah. He says in the tweet, it's because of advice from my doctor. I've done everything I can to play. And then here's Todd McShay saying that's just not true. You're opting out. You could play in this game if you wanted to, and you're not. I, I love that he – here's what I love about the story of anything. The willingness to say it. The willingness to go out there and report that he could play. Because and, another sacred area, Hutton, is if someone says they're hurt, they're hurt. You can never put that into question, right? You'd never well, question a guy in college that, that says right. that oh he, no, he's he's lying he's not hurt. Well, in saying that 
he, after consulting with doctors, there's just nothing more he could do. He tried everything he could do. So, if, you know, that I, I'm all for it if he's ripping him for the sake of saying, well, he's opting out. We've seen guys, I mean, Derek Stingley Jr. opted out. He's a top five pick last year. Um, and he's, he's a solid player and a great, great defensive back out of LSU. Point being, like, if you're trying to use this as an excuse to mask the reason why you're not playing, that's not cool. Like if you're trying to improve draft stock or not have your draft stock affected because you're pointing to injuries. Um, but I, I don't blame players who opt out for the sake of protecting themselves for April, especially top guys, because we have seen how that has uh, affected several players in recent years and their overall draft stock. Um, while I, I think it's awesome, you know, that Corral or, um, and, uh, several others will uh, play in a bowl game. If you get hurt, it does affect your overall training for the combine and how teams will view you. There are more red flags about the injury history than they are bowl game history. Yeah, this isn't a bowl game, though. You know, th- it is technically a bowl game, but it's for a playoff. I don't know that we've seen a player do this. Now, he's claiming injury, and I think the reason he's claiming injury if, in fact, it's not and he is medically clear right. to play, is because he knows how bad that's going to look sure. to scouts. And that's what Todd McShay is saying. Derek Stingley Jr., um, I think, opted out after a, a small injury where he could have come back and just decided, I'm going to go ahead and get ready for the draft in the middle of last year. I was making sure it wasn't the 2019 season where they won it all. I, and someone could point this out to us on Twitter, if you can remember someone. I don't remember anyone that just flat opted out of the playoff. No, I don't Or either. a national championship. So, look, if, if two sides to every story, the side of the story yeah. from Smith and Jigba is I'm hurt under doctor's, uh, or not orders necessarily, but doctor's advice. I'm taking their advice, and I'm not going to play and get ready for the draft. That's his claim. Todd McShay came off the top rope and said, not true. I know for a fact the guy could play. Uh, if he wanted to, and this is going to be noted by NFL teams that he elected to do this. So I think there's two parts to this. One, NFL teams should note and will note this guy would not play for a championship. His team he'd been around for so long is competing for a national title, and he opted out of that if they believe Todd McShay. And two, he lied about it. That's another issue. It's one thing if he just said, I'm opting out to get ready for the draft. You know, it was completely... Up front about it, I, I'm more concerned about my NFL career than this this playoff. Well, and I'm going to go show the NFL team how concerned I am about them and what I'm doing next. So there, it's a twofold problem if Todd McShay's right. One, the guy doesn't want to play in the playoff, and two, he's lying about his injury, saying that's what's preventing him. So yeah, I could it, see how that that could cause some red flags. Now, to your point, Hutton, will that stop everyone from drafting yeah. him at some point? No, someone's going to take a chance on talent. Always. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Von Miller done uh, after um, further evaluation. They found that it is an ACL tear for him. You know, there was some question about if it's a sprain, if he's going to be able to come back, and uh, what the length of the injury would be. This is a big blow for Buffalo because Von Miller is a closer. Von Miller closes out big games, and that's why they brought him in. He's a, a difference maker for Buffalo where they really struggled in that area a year ago. And now they don't have him. Buffalo's defense has been good. In the playoffs last year, they were not great. And they need to affect the passer. 
and they know who they're up against. They're up against Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And to get over that hump, it's going to take more than just home field advantage. You've got to make sure you put pressure on the QBs and speed up their process. And it's easier said than done. But Buffalo couldn't do it a year ago. And they're losing their best guy, regardless of age and overall how much you think he actually produces snaps uh, over like big snaps on, on game day. The snaps where he is available, Chad, in the fourth quarter, that's when he closes out games and has a big moment that gets the football back on third down, forcing a punt, and Josh Allen possesses the football. It's a big loss for the Bills. The Bills are the team that I believe, once the playoffs start, will be the nation's darling. I think a lot of people who have teams either out or are indifferent on it, that just like watching good playoff football, will rally around the Bills trying to win that first Super Bowl after so much heartache uh, in the early 90s with those four straight losses. And because of that, that city, that fan base, what they do for charity and how they rally around it, how insane they are, quite frankly, to uh, hurl their bodies through tables at tailgates. We all like to watch those videos. Yep. I think the Bills are going to be the darlings. So this is a big blow to that defense, which not a good thing uh, for Buffalo as they get ready. Now... We're starting to handicap these these conferences, and you look at the AFC. I still think it's Buffalo, it's Kansas City, it's Cincinnati, very firmly at the top of that conference. So, how greatly does this change the Bills' fortune against one of those two teams? I think that's the chief competition right now, and that's not to completely discount everyone else. Baltimore, if they start playing better, you know, Miami also another one. But I really think we're starting to see the cream rise to the top. And that cream consists of Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and the AFC. And they've now lost in back-to-back seasons key defensive players due to ACL injuries. Tredavious White was last year, and he's just now coming back into the mix and and played his most significant snaps, I believe, on Thanksgiving Day uh, for the first time. And then this year, of course, Von Miller. Um, Other teams, Chad, no chance at making the postseason. One of them, the defending Super Bowl champions, Von Miller's former team. Uh, in the Rams. We discuss when we come back uh, who we are saying is done and so long and uh, the impact of Baker Mayfield and the opportunity he has to provide a backup option if Matthew Stafford's just not physically ready to go next season the way he wasn't physically ready to go this season. And that's coming from Sean McVay. More on that next on Now Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Hit us up on Twitter, YouTube. Facebook, and at OutKick.com. Just search out OutKick360. Chad, um, the Los Angeles Rams are an easy pick for me. I'm eliminating them from the playoff contention based on my little bracket here week to week. And look, uh, it's not looking good for me with the Commanders or the Jets. I say that each week. I'm confident in 
the the last several selections with the Packers, Steelers, Jags, Cardinals, and now the Rams. The Rams who will be without Aaron Donald on Thursday. The Rams who may play Baker Mayfield tomorrow night on Thursday night football. A day and a half after arriving, being claimed on waivers. Um, Sean McVay would not say if he was going to be able to play, but the idea is he he could be active. So if he's active on game night, I mean, he's at worst the backup and he's a play away. But again, I when the reports were that he nearly... It's not a great sign of they, their offensive complexity. No. no. <laughs> if you can start a guy a day and a half later they, at uh, quarterback. It's, it's bad. It's really bad considering where they were a year ago. And, and, and think of two of all the... I mean, right now, the Detroit Lions are better off at quarterback than the Los Angeles Rams. Now, hear me out on this. Jared Goff is playing much better football than Matthew Stafford. And that's even prior to this injury. The concussion came back, another concussion protocol situation. Now he's done for the year with a spinal cord issue. Um, The trade works out because they end up with the Super Bowl. But this roster is aging, and this roster is highly paid, and they don't have draft picks to go get quarterbacks. That's why they're trading, they're claiming for a million bucks, Baker Mayfield over five games, just to test the waters and see if he's capable of being a backup plan if Stafford's lingering elbow issue, didn't throw all offseason, the, now the, the back issue, if those things linger through, you could see a Matthew Stafford that's not ready to play based on whatever needs to happen this offseason. And Chad, you were buying into the elbow issue this offseason. I thought, you know, based on their roster, I was thinking, man, they're going to come back and be fine. You know, they added Allen Robinson. And no, this has been anything but the same team. It's really bad. And they're not going anywhere this year. Moving forward, they're just trying to figure out the direction they're going at quarterback. And that's very uncertain right now. And Baker's got a chance to at least link up with Sean McVay and figure some things out over five weeks. Well, look, they won a Super Bowl, but the whole, you know, uh, F them picks mantra yeah. is going to look different in, in a year when they're really bad again, which I, I think this is a team that's headed for the basement before they get back up towards the top. So and at some point, you, you don't have any more picks to trade look, for other players. Th- this, is, this is the whole balance, right? You, you get the one Super Bowl, that's great. Sort of the Marlins approach back in the day. They won two World Series, and then they completely bought him out for a decade after winning the World Series. But they won two World Series. Well, the Rams, this approach worked. They win the Super Bowl. But does it really work if in the long run, you know, and you you quickly bought him out? They should not have bottomed out this year. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. You know, some unfortunate things and Stafford's health being chief among them. Well, they brought everyone back to run it back. Run it back, and it's, it's definitely not happening for the Rams. And now... Tons of uncertainty around that roster after this season, especially at quarterback. Maybe Baker Mayfield starts after a day and a half and looks good, and then you know Baker Mayfield resuscitates his career in L.A. with the Rams, and then you know you got a different story. But I don't know that I necessarily see that with this team. Surprised though that the Rams are in this position. Yep. And I'm going to go with my elimination pick now. Yeah. And I am going to go with I went with the Rams last week, Hutton. So I was with you on that one. Um. The Saints, I was honestly surprised to look up and down my list of teams I've eliminated from playoff consideration and not see the Saints already on that list. The loss to Tampa 
and the way they lost it. And the Saints had Tom Brady's number. That defense suffocates, knows how to play Brady in that Tampa offense since he's been there. They did a good job again in this game for the most part. They're up 16-3, to fourth quarter, six minutes left, no problem. Brady leads the Bucks back. They win the game on a touchdown pass with six seconds left in the game. Dennis Allen, I believe, is another on the list this year of a one-and-done coach. Right. I think it's Nathaniel Hackett, Dennis Allen. Hudden, you bring up a good point. Depending on what happens with the rest of the Bucks season, does Todd Bowles join that list Good. of one-and-done coaches? I think that's absolutely a possibility. But the bigger possibility right now is in one I think that is a certainty. The Saints aren't going to the playoffs. They are my Week 13 elimination pick. It's getting more and more difficult now, though, as we get down through the yeah, weeks of fun. eliminating teams from, from playoff and, contention. And let's go back to the – they're up 16-3 to three with, what, six minutes left or something? A little over six minutes. The Saints put Mark Ingram back into the game. He was injured. They put him back in the game. Second and eight, he uh, caught a wide-open pass, but he ran out of bounds just short of the sticks because he was coming up lame, like he was too injured. And uh, by the way, Mark Ringer, I'll read his tweet in a second. He fell on the sword. And he was awesome in that defeat. But on third and one, and they at the time, it was third and one, they're showing Bruce Arians on the broadcast because it's 16-3, and the broadcast is already discussing... Um, how different this team is without Bruce Arians running things as the head coach. So they're showing his reaction. And then third and one pops up, and they throw the football. Andy Dalton attempts this dart on this quick slant, incomplete. And you see Arians, they go back to him, and he's like, he's talking to somebody, can you believe they just threw the football? We're getting the ball back here. Like, these idiots. Yeah. He'd run the football for a yard. Quarterback sneak it for a yard and, and move the sticks. Fourth and one. Um, Bucks 44-yard line. They end up punting back to, with five minutes left, Brady, who goes down and gets the first set of points. And Mark Ingram says, I'm sick about this one. Regardless of circumstances or how I feel, I have to get a fresh set of downs for my squad. I apologize to my teammates and coaches and my city for a crucial mistake. We work way too hard and sacrifice blood, sweat, tears. I will be better. But you can tell, like he's going, he's coming up lame as he's trying to get to the marker. And if he just takes an extra step, he gets the first down. Instead, it leads to a terrible call with Andy Dalton throwing a dart that bounces off shoulder pads, has no chance. Um, yeah, that's how the Saints lose 16 3. I mean, regardless, the injury, one thing, and that's very stand up of Mark Ingram to say that, that I've got to get the first down no matter what. But I mean, you hit it, run the football. The most underutilized play in all of football is the quarterback sneak. If you're a yard or less out, yes. try that. I mean, they allow you now to just bring everyone behind you. Go heavy in the backfield yes. and have someone just rocket right up. Uh, uh, Jamming in there. Yes, Andy Dalton's backside, for lack of a better phrase. And then just <laughs> shove them over the, the line. It's that simple. Like, this is not rocket science. If you were a yard or less away from a first down, you should be able to sneak it. And if at worst case scenario, if your quarterback can't get the half a yard or a right. yard, then your running back just tackles them from behind and pushes them forward for the necessary yardage. Very simple play. Not used enough in football. It drives me crazy every time. And it ends up costing the Saints a game and maybe Dennis Allen his job by the end of the year. If, if the Saints would have won this game, again, five minutes, 16-3, they're up. They lose 17-16. If they win this game, they're a half game out of the division lead. 
You know? And then who, who knows what happens then? Um, Chad, the, the press conference today, Mike Vrabel was uh, speaking to the media. It was normal Wednesday time here in Nashville. It's the first like public statement other than the quote from controlling owner Amy Adams Strunk of the Tennessee Titans since firing John Robinson yesterday. A Tuesday, which by the way December. is the head scratcher yeah. of the last few weeks of the NFL season yes. across the league, because every everyone that talks about the league is is just kind of now coming to grips with this and asking the question, huh? When they look well, at Robinson's record and everything going on, what what surprises me about it, and then I want to get to the the presser, which was awful. Uh, it was one of the Titans' worst moments in recent years. And I, I would put it up there uh, under Amy's control. It's it's among the really poor decisions. And it's not, I mean, I say many poor decisions, few poor decisions that she's made. She's made great hires. And I do trust, I think the, the trust factor with her leaning into the football de- department and uh, getting it right should be, um, I mean, it, it, you should look at this, I think, if you're a Titans fan and think, uh, Amy Adamstruck knows what she's doing. But in this case, I don't know how you don't explain this to the fan base. Um, because right now, you're allowing every different theory out there to just float in the atmosphere. And I know the, the, the quote from her was, you know, the, the roster and the, the selection process and how everything has gone through the build of the roster recently is not good enough. But the perception of it, Chad, is... He was fired because A.J. Brown went off on them. And there's a perception out there that he was fired because he went rogue and traded A.J. Brown and somehow Vrabel and, and ownership didn't know it was going to happen, which is ludicrous. Absolute crap that they wouldn't know ahead of time. Vrabel's sitting right there next to John Robinson that day, the night that they traded him. And Vrabel at the presser after the trade told reporters that they had a deal in place with Philly that afternoon. Hung up the phone that afternoon. Things were coming together with the contract. Because again, to trade A.J. Brown, the Eagles have to know that A.J. Brown's going to sign the offer that they're giving him. Yep. So that's, that's got to take place. That's, that's over the course of hours, not minutes, as the trade's going down. It, it's just weird how they're treating this and won't answer that question directly. Vrabel wouldn't do it, and I, I don't like the fact that he was the only one that went up there and spoke. Um, but since he is, he's got to do better than try to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. And that's, that's really poor, considering what Robinson and Vrabel did to this point, to just point to, well, I had a great conversation last night. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we made, uh, we made a claim to add some depth at defensive back today. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean it's the you know it's equivalent. We've got uh, Matty Ice in here who works in our studio. It'd be like me firing Matty Ice one day, and then the next day saying, you know, I'm going to take the day off, Hutton. You had nothing to do with this decision to right. get rid of Matty Ice, but we're going to open up the phone lines today, and you're going to take calls from people, and media is going to come in and ask you questions about my handling of the Matty Ice situation and how I fired him. It's a cowardice move from Amy Adams Strong and. This is a lady who's done great things for the Titans organization. And we're here in Nashville, so we see it firsthand. She's been terrific as the owner so far. But this is a rare low moment moment for this organization for, for a number of reasons. 
Um, we discussed the timing of this yesterday. I believe it's ludicrous to think that it was just A.J. Brown's performance against his old team that led to John Robinson being fat fired. There are other factors in here, certainly, for that to happen. But you can't ignore the timing of this because optics and perception, it does matter. The optics of it from the outside looking in is John Robinson in his seventh year as GM, previous six years winning seasons, inherited a team that won five games over two years when he took the job. They win winning season six straight years, headed for another winning season in year seven, fired, fired less than 48 hours after his Titans team lost to A.J. Brown's Eagles team, and A.J. Brown had a great performance. The optics, you can't escape them. The optics look like someone got mad and emotional after the game and fired the guy who traded away A.J. Brown after that team lost to the Eagles. And that's what it looks like Amy Adams Trunk did. I don't believe that, but that's what people are going to believe. So what you could do, instead of just putting out a release, is you can set the record straight. If you're Amy Adams Strong, and we're to believe Mike Vrabel, which I believe him, he's up there at a podium saying, this was not my decision, I had no say in this decision, this was her decision, and it's my job to make sure that we can move forward and everybody's going to get along and, and be okay with everything, right? Well, okay, that's fine. Then get the person up here who actually made the decision. And then they can explain to everyone and maybe calm people down across the league by saying, of course I didn't do this out of emotion and didn't do this because the team lost to Philly. We've been looking at this roster, looking at this organization, and we believe it's time for a fresh start. We thank John Robinson for all of his contributions. He did so many good things here. The good outweighed the bad. But we felt to take the next step, we needed to take a step in moving in a different direction at general manager. Answer some questions. She's smart. She can do that. Take the tough questions to the media and say, it's not one thing that led to this. Because when you don't do that, this is PR 101 in today's world. You open the door for every bit of speculation out there. The craziest bits of speculation you can think of. I've heard everything from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel must have gotten to a physical altercation after the game. And because of that, they had to fire John Robinson. I've heard that it was John Robinson providing the party on the way on the flights back, and that he was plowing Todd Downing with alcohol, and that's how he got a DUI. These things are crazy. Yes. I don't believe any of them. But you open yourself up to it because you can't come up with the ability to just go and explain. And for all the media members – and all of the Titans, fanboy, Homer media out there that are trumpeting Amy Adams Trunk as some gangster for making this move <laughs> and don't mess with her, let me tell you something. A true tough person and gangster shows up to the press conference and talks to the media. They don't let their lieutenant sit there and take the bullets for them. And that's what Amy Adams Trunk did today. And Hutton, for the life of me, I don't get it. Here's what I don't want from the Tennessee Titans. They've done this in their past. They allowed themselves to get a little bit arrogant. And when you get arrogant, because things are going well, it clouds your judgment. And it took them hitting rock bottom under Ken Wisenhunt to reverse that arrogance. And that's what led to Amy so, Adams drunk eventually. And good things have happened since. Don't get I, too fat and happy here and let arrogance cloud your judgment. I don't think they're doing that, though. 
And hear me out. They did that with this roster this season. You know, they, they did that by saying, oh, we had, be fine. we had these injuries last year. We were 12 wins. We're going to be fine. Oh, we didn't play well. Tannehill threw three picks. We're, we get the opportunity again. We're, we're good. That was the arrogance part, that the roster was in decent enough shape and they didn't need the first-round pick playing and they didn't need this or that or this piece or that, that you could say this formula works. The very narrow path to victory, week in and week out, works because that's what we do. We're the number one seed. You guys don't know football. You guys are idiots. We're just as good as Buffalo and Kansas City. And we weren't saying that. Yeah. We knew that was not going to be the case. Now, Mike Vrabel's got that type of personality, too. That's just just ingrained in him to have that sort of of style with people. Look, I, I don't think this is the right decision. And we can, we can get into that too. But this is a move that I love based on the fact that they are acknowledging that the AFC South banner is not good enough. I love that. I love the fact that it is Super Bowl or bust. And I'm here to tell you, like it, the bar has been raised by, by Amy Adams Trunk with Mike Vrabel now. Yep. You got to win now, man. And he knows that. But this is a sign that we're not going to sit around and wait on a roster reconstruction from the guy that set us up in this situation to begin with. But it's also the timing of it that you have to explain to me. Not explain to me, but to me, that's the big question mark. That's the confusion. Because you can let this go another month, allow the results to play out, and then make your move. It's not like you can start interviewing candidates that are really good in the interview pool because the really good candidates are on really good teams and front offices that are currently on their path to the playoff, same as you. And that's the, that's the weird part to me, is the timing. And they refuse to even acknowledge the timing and somehow have amnesia when it comes to draft night on who was in the draft room and if Amy knew that AJ was going to be traded. She was in the room. Yeah, the team put, posted on their social media a photo That's, or a short video of Amy Adams Drunk in the room. It's weak. Absolutely weak today on behalf of the organization and how they did it. Um, and quite frankly, like, it's a cutthroat business, but Robinson deserves better than speculation. Right? Yes. This is not the scrub GMs that they've had pro- after Floyd Reese. And... They treated him as such with one statement and we're on to Jacksonville. Anyway, rant over, I guess. But I, I, don't, I, don't th- I don't think it's a good move. It is a signal, though, Chad, that it is win and win at all costs. I, I, and if you're not part of the, the structure that's helping us win, see ya. See, now, now, here's the other is, thing. This is, but this is where that message, though, right? You talked about the message being great that, oh, you know, Amy Adams Trunk in that in that release and statement says, you know, this isn't going to be good enough. AFC South Championship not good enough. But talking about the the goal is Super Bowl. The goal is to get the top prize, the top trophy. Mm-hmm. And every Titans fan, every fan of any team would love that. Absolutely. This team's headed for a rebuild. So yes. I, 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 all Titans fans out there that are celebrating this move and dancing on John Robinson's body, same fans that would have taken a bullet for John Robinson two days ago that are celebrating this, carry that same energy 
with the new guy when they drop to 5-12 and 12 in a year or two years? Because that's going to happen. We said this under John Robinson. I've said it consistently. You will pay the piper for screwing up with Isaiah Wilson, mm-hmm. Caleb Farley, now this move with A.J. Brown. If Traylon Burks isn't great. And there are more more You examples. don't have a quarterback after Ryan Tannehill right now. And the interesting part, so though. So they're going to pay the piper eventually. So it's, it's Amy Adams Trunk saying, we want someone else to lead the rebuild. I'm fine with that decision. Yeah. The timing still makes no sense. Well, the, the, the timing of all I, of it makes zero exactly. sense. Exactly. And here's other questions that I'm sure they'll know she'll receive if she's at the podium. It's more than just John Robinson. It's, okay, um, were you on board with actually paying A.J. Brown to keep him here? I mean, that, again, that's what's being speculated, that Robinson didn't want to keep him based on the money, and others did. Um, Chad, we reacted to it in real time. We were, sure we were stunned that yeah. they traded him. Because he embodies everything that the organization's about. You want to talk about arrogance. That guy's that. And then he produces. Um, they just didn't want him a part of the rebuild. Robinson, I'm saying. And the questions would also be, well, the reports were 16 to 20 million. Um, there's also a quote from your best player on the roster, Jeffrey Simmons, that you may not have the money to pay him this offseason. Is that true? That's not Robinson's problem. But he was being Simmons has admitted he's been told that, and then back, tried to backtrack. And he didn't want to talk in the locker room about it. But he said he's got to find the money. He may not be able to give you what you want or something. Was the the quote in the report? Um, yeah, it's it's a strange set which of is, circumstances. Which is now really weird in hindsight um, when you think about they found the money to to sign John Robinson to an extension and then pay him out for the last four yeah, years they, of the contract. Yeah, and for those that haven't followed I me, mean, they they extended him in February uh, along with Vrabel. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is a now, it is a clear sign that it's time to win more than they're winning. And I'm on board with that in week two, week three of this season, the, the storyline went from, Oh, this is a contending team to, Oh, they're going to win the division. Look at, they're in a really bad division. They're going to be fine. And, And I said, when is that now the bar? When has that been the goal? And at least this is ownership saying, you know what? You're right. We're with you. This is not good enough. We should have been contending more. We should not be bowing out after achieving home field advantage and bowing out at an all-time best defensive performance for the playoffs. And they did. And then they brought back some players they shouldn't have. They also um, missed on key draft picks that have set them up for what exactly you're saying, the rebuild. Because they've got to make a decision now on Tannehill. By the way, who's going to do that? I guess it's Vrabel. Um, who's negotiating the Simmons contract if Simmons wanted to do that right now? I mean, it, it would be Ryan Calden, but he's not even technically the interim GM. He's the doesn't have that title. They just kept him with the same title. It is, it is something to watch. And the thing that you brought up perfectly, Chad, is this is a 7-5 and five team. This is not the four-win um, you know, four Colts and you're making a move, and you have the bizarre hire of Jeff Saturday as the interim. This is a different structure. This is the team that Jim Ursay said they want to be, and they're in that position going into the postseason. They clinched the AFC South with a win against Jacksonville Sunday. Trevor Lawrence may not play, by the way. Well, if that's the, if that's the case, first thing I thought, what about Indianapolis hiring John Robinson as GM? 
if they really want to be the Titans, they got a chance to replicate the Titans yeah, by I, hiring him. Yeah, I, I mean, he's going to get another gig, I, I, I would assume. Um, he's very well respected. Again, it's not all about Robinson. It's just the way it was handled. It's just poor. Really bad. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360 coming up. We will dive into uh, poor quarterback play. Last name's Levis. And, um, well, we've seen enough of him in college. He's, he's seen enough of that Kentucky offense also. And, I mean, will we even see offense in the Music City Bowl? It's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clay Travis joins us in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to it. Um, Chad, we didn't think Will Levis was going to play in the bowl game for Kentucky. Um, But it leads to what's probably, would you say, the worst matchup we've had in years? Kentucky and uh, this three yards in a cloud of dust Iowa team that can barely move a yard offensively? I mean, on the field, yes. There have been some worse matchups from a fan base standpoint for the city of Nashville, but Music City Bowl is Iowa with their third quarterback. And Iowa... I think Davey said attempted six passes this year. How many passes, Is there going to be offense in this this game, Davey? Hang on one second. There we go. There's definitely not going to be offense. Um, Chad, I don't believe the Iowa... Third string quarterback, which there's two guys that it could be, has attempted a pass in college. Um, Kentucky's backup quarterback, Sharon, I think is his last name. Yeah. It's just pretty irrelevant, it's to be honest. Weird. But right now, the over under for Kentucky, Iowa is sitting at 31. To help put that in perspective, Navy Army sitting at 32. <laughs> wow. And that game has gone 31. under. Wow. And that game has gone under every single year since 2005 in the Army Navy game. And the big thing for this is like Kentucky's one and eleven on the under this season. So you or sorry on hitting the over. So if you bet the under on every Kentucky game, you'd be making a lot of money. Iowa. That's amazing. Four and eight. Um, but the stat I, I did want to give here. Ben Stevens put this out. Um, Iowa and Minnesota they played back in November, and that line closed at thirty-one and a half. That is officially the lowest FBS total ever since these numbers were started tracking in 1995, and that game went under with a final of Iowa winning 13-10. to 10. <laughs> So, if you're looking for offense, this isn't the game for you. I mean, what a miserable offensive slog this game is going to well, be let, with let, bad quarterback but, play. Yes, and it pairs with a Kentucky fan base that was at an all-time fever pitch high to begin the season, and it ends with a trip to Nashville against Iowa where it's like, you know, thanks for playing this season as the award. They've, they've played here often. Uh, Iowa, I believe, was lobbied to be here. So the, the, the bowl here is hoping that Iowa travels. I'm not sure about Kentucky. 
for this one. Yeah, and I, and I was hearing from a Kentucky. You know, I was I, I sort of joked. I said, you know, this this show of leadership from Will Levis backing out of this game will propel him to the top spot again in a, in the <laughs> NFL draft upcoming. And people are like, oh, you're gonna blame the kid for stepping out. I don't blame him if he's gonna be a first round pick, which I still don't understand. He should not be in my eyes, but. If he's going to be drafted, then I understand a quarterback, you know, stepping out of the Music City Bowl. But I'm hearing from Kentucky fans that are saying, you know, this is it's a huge knock to the bowl game in Nashville. Yes, it's not a very good thing for the fans that may, might want to even locally go to that game. I mean, what's the point now if you're looking at Kentucky and Iowa? If right. you're an Iowa fan, Iowa people love to come to Nashville. Nashville's a top destination for people in Iowa. Matty Ice knows that he's from Iowa. That's why he moved here. But Iowa fans don't want to go and watch this dude who's never thrown a pass in college, you know, compete with a single wing offense against Kentucky in a game that's probably going to be about, you know, choose about 34 degrees I mean, oh, and yeah. spitting freezing rain yeah, in this like game Dayton, in Nashville. Ohio every year here Come on. for that game. Come on. The but the other thing too, Chad, like the the Tennessee Clemson matchup is a great look at future quarterback play, yeah. right? You get a great glimpse. This is not that here. And no. and a year ago you've got Tennessee Purdue in this game. This is not that. This, right? is, it, this is the game that shows you oh. why these two programs hit the transfer portal hard for a quarterback. And how Iowa's amazing got it, Cade McNamara coming in. Kentucky's going to have someone else coming in. Kentucky hit the over one time all year with Will Levis, the second coming of the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, apparently. I bet that one over draft. was against Tennessee when they lost 44-7. to Because <laughs> Tennessee helped them out. That may have been their one over they had. Headlines when we return. Plus, I've got a new MVP across the NFL. And the rookie awards are something to watch all of a sudden. Play Travis in 20 minutes.